Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of The Beat. The original format here today. I'm, of course, Nick that's Bobberger, right. along with Brendan Quinn. It's been a minute, I think, Brendan, since we've had... The OGs, uh, that's right. Well, I was yeah. on vacation, and you were on vacation, and... Uh, well, I was on paternity leave, t- my man. That whatever. is not whatever. vacation <laughs> in any capacity, but yes, no, we have been off. Away from off. each other, anyway, yeah. You were off. For sure. uh, yeah, I hosted... Uh, I did a couple solo interview yeah. shows. Just wasn't the same without you, though, buddy. We didn't quite have that pop. Went well, though. Yeah. Austin. It was good to talk to Austin Hatch. It was great to talk to Austin. Uh, Kevin Palga gave us his time, mm-hmm. and that was super interesting, I thought. Um, all still very relevant. If people yeah, did not listen to that stuff, episode yeah. that are chill, trying to figure out what the hell is going on in college basketball scheduling, go check that out. Um, but I've been enjoying listening to you and the boys. Yep. Uh, I get my little low-key college football fix on the side by listening to you and Colton and Austin, so... Uh, but we're going to talk some football today. This is going like back. Mm-hmm. This feels very M Live ish. Be a throwback episode for those who Big complained. For those who complained this week about having to listen to Michigan State stuff in their feed, Michigan fans, Ooh. we've got some of that. But so this will be all Michigan today. All Michigan. Yeah. Um, because the idea here was to kind of reframe the Harbaugh era. We obviously covered the early stages together mm-hmm. uh, at M Live and kind of have gone and just you were obviously right in the thick of it i kind of watch it from you know a little bit of afar with f- absolute fascination because it is amazing <laughs> i tell you what it's, um, yeah. <laughs> so and we we did that we would basically do this every year um mm-hmm. on the original podcast and so much so that when when you talked about like hey let's let's kind of bring that idea back and, and do it again today i went and found one of our old ones, and it was in July of 2017. Mm. And uh, so, two years into Harbaugh, yeah, he was he was into he was 20 and six in his first two years, but it was really uh, quite the fascinating kind of march through time to go back and re-listen to it. First of all, we were much younger men and had yeah, much right. much more hope in our voices. <laughs> I can say that. A lot of a less, lot of shits happened since less then. Less pounds on the uh, frame too, probably. I imagine, <laughs> at least on my end. Yeah, anyway. we definitely sound worse yeah. today. But uh, you know, since in that, the thing that jumped out to me the most. Uh, let's just jump right into it. Like the the thing that jumped out to me the most, going back and re-listening to it, was when I asked you what really kind of defined those first two years. Mm-hmm. You talked about Harbaugh and the staff and those players, their ability to kind of establish a new culture very quickly yeah and it gone were kind of the days of the end of the hoke era where you just had a bunch of guys who kind of had that fake false moxie and then would fold anytime right you know the that the pressure cooker got turned up a little bit and that changed in the first two years and they were obviously trending the right way and you know that was really the premise of what we were talking about and this is you know like i said july 2017 and now since then you know, 27 and 12 in the last three years, mm-hmm. 19 and 8 in the mm. Big Ten, 6 and 10 against ranked teams, yeah. 0 and 3 in bowl games, and outscored by Ohio State, 149 to 86. Yeah. Oh, God. Those, those are the numbers for the last three years. You 149. Know? So just to, to kind of like reframe things and think about from then to today, you know, I trajectory wise you know mm-hmm. where this thing is kind of going under Harbaugh is you know it's obviously at the forefront of everyone's mind for very good reason I don't think it's just like oh you guys are just picking on Harbaugh yeah. because he's just this you know kind of um polarizing figure it, it's it's not that I think it's really really real so I think you have to go back like you said that's a perfect place to um sort of examine the last couple years here because July 2017 would have been just before, you know, I think you look at it in two ways. When Harbaugh got here in 15, he inherited a veteran team and had to restart a situation. After 2016, almost all of those guys were gone. Like most of the core Mm -hmm. of those 15, 16 teams had graduated. And so in some ways, just by how the calendar works out, not the calendar, but how the roster works out with, you know, people's timelines and everything else, they were super young and sort of featuring a lot of what was their probably, not probably, it was their best ranked class. The 2017 class was their highest ranked recruiting class. So it was a after 16, they're 20 and 6, and it almost felt like they were restarting again in some ways, but also trying to 
carry over what they'd already established uh, as far as a culture was concerned in other ways. And it was a very interesting and odd and weird scenario where you had, you talk to people in that summer and spring and everything else. And it was like, well, there's so much talent in this class, so much talent in this class. I mean, there's all these guys are so good and this, that, and the other. And then you would be like, okay, well, what about, you know, Ryan Glasgow's gone, Chris Wormley's gone, uh, you know, all those offensive linemen are gone, Graham Glasgow's gone, um, you know, some of the guys like that just grinded all the time, Jake Butt, Davion Smith, Peppers, Jordan Lewis, mm-hmm. on and on and on, right? Like all the guys that we remember from those first two years, guys that went through all of the bullshit that happened in the, with the previous stuff, stuck together and had no other choice and we're being led by the guy who's, I mean, if we're being honest, Jim Harbaugh's calling card as a coach is his ability to go into a rocky situation and immediately, you know, draw the line and, and change everything right away. But whether or not that can carry over when sort of things change has always been the question. And that was the first point where we wondered, how is this going to go? And mm-hmm. when you just go back and examine it all, 15 and 16, you know, they had their ups and downs as a team on the field, but they were mentally tough. They were physically, you know, they were difficult to play against. They were uncomfortable to play against is what I always used to say. And apart from a handful of stretches, you know, a stretch there in, in 2018, the mental toughness hasn't been there. They haven't been able to match it. Um, they haven't been as physically grinding as you would you would have expected. I don't think they've maximized talent the way they did the first couple years. Mm. Um, and it's been this awkward sort of second act that they're he's trying to find his. You know, they changed offenses again midway through this. Um, it's he hasn't been able to restart it. I mean, he restarted everything right away. They got the thing going. They were able yeah. to get the train going down the tracks, as he said, a little bit. And then it hit, you know, another crossroads. And it almost felt like, I don't want to say they picked the wrong fork in the road, but like it almost felt like maybe they did and then had to back up and are now trying to reset themselves back to where they were at the end of 16. And that's where they are. And that's why they're 47 and 18 or whatever it is and not, you know, you know, in addition to the 20 and 6, just better and better and better. It hasn't been right. better and better and better. Like I... I'll put it this way. If you would have told me in 2017 that this is how the last these three years, I, I would have not believed that. I thought it was yeah. all leading toward maybe not, you know, maybe not being Ohio State, maybe not being clearly one of like the four best programs in the country. But I thought the thing was on the track to keep that steady. Okay, mm-hmm. they're going to win double digit games every single year. They're going to be going into that last weekend with something to play for every single year. Like, it just seemed to me that that's the way it was going. So, like, going back and re-listening, it was, it's all really kind of brings yeah. back a lot of um, perspective on kind of where the the hope, I guess, would be the right word. That, like, you know, the, you could understand why the why the fan base was feeling as optimistic as, as it yeah. was because it was going that way. And here it is um, all these years later, and it's kind of this stalled momentum. Right. So you brought up an interesting point, though. When you say not maximizing talent, that's mm-hmm. something that I don't get. Because, okay, I, I can understand the difficulty in bridging gaps in recruiting to the likes of Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson, mm-hmm. right? Because pe- places do things different ways and there's a lot of shit that goes on, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, not maximizing talent is... That that's to me is pretty jarring. Just knowing the amount of money that's spent on this coaching staff for one, yeah. and knowing the 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 resumes that we're talking about here with these guys, that doesn't make any sense. Do you have your a finger kind of on what that's stemming from? So you know, it's you got to be careful when I say that because in some cases it happens, in a lot of cases it happens, and in some cases it's just not as much as you would expect or like. You know, we were mm-hmm. it was so jarring the first two years how he was able to get something out of everyone you know what i mean it wasn't just maximizing the top if you've got five top 50 players in your class all of them have to you know hit right like that's the idea it's not just that it was they had an ability to find something for everyone to do so to speak it seemed like and it was just this you know cohesive grinding you know type of unit and injuries play a factor uh, personalities play a factor everything else i go back to you know, because we've seen the 2017 class was top five class. I believe it's the highest rated one he's had. Uh, I know it is actually. And you, you go through it and you say, okay, well, Donovan Peoples-Jones is a five-star player, was number 12 player in the country. And he played here for three years. 
And he played with, I believe, three different quarterbacks, four different quarterbacks, when it was all said and done. Um, mm-hmm. There were a lot of different factors in that. Offensive coordinators changed, et cetera, et cetera. But do we think that Donovan Peoples-Jones maxed out as the number one, number 12 player? No. I mean, he he didn't perform as the number right. 12 player in, a, in that class. He just didn't. He's a terrific athlete, and he's in the NFL now, everything else. But then you go down a couple more spots, Cesar Ruiz, he does pan out. In between there is Aubrey Solomon, who's transferred. So, you, you know, Luigi Villane was a right. top 50 recruit who got hurt. Drew Singleton didn't pan out and transferred. Ambry Thomas did pan out. Jordan Anthony didn't pan out. So we go back and forth. We're doing this, like, alternate back and forth, back and forth, back and forth thing. And it ultimately turned into just too much of where is this all going? Why are guys, you know, sort of bailing? I think part of it was, you know, the transfer stuff became kind of more and more in vogue as time has gone on here. And I think he got caught in that where a lot of guys you know, found it was very easy to do that. So, I don't know. When you're still in that mode in year three of trying to establish yourself, and they were, they had not arrived yet, and they were in a situation where they were going to have to start over again with a bunch of young guys, and they just it was going to have to work. And it just didn't. And, you know, the quarterback situation was a little weird that year. Remember we talked before 17 about, you know, Wilton Spade had won the job in 16, and then had to come back and beat John O'Corn again for some reason that no one could figure out before the start of the 17th right. season. And that whole thing, it was just disjointed. They just didn't have enough leadership. They didn't have enough guys that were... Wilton got hurt, of course, and then they just they just could not keep it together. Uh, and, you know, the bulk... The, the, the best players in those 16, 17 classes then performed well enough for it to work in 18. Then you restart again with the offense. It's just been a lot of inconsistent, you know, staff shufflings, transfers... Some guys have gotten hurt. Some guys haven't panned out. And the common thread through the whole thing is they just weren't able to carry over the sort of, and I don't know if it was possible, you know, the sort of, you know, freight train intensity that those first two teams had that it felt like, is this even sustainable year over year over year when you're doing it with 23-year-olds and then you all of a sudden got to shift over and do it with 18-year-olds? You know, we know how that goes. That's a big challenge. And I can remember in 17, too, we wrote a little bit about you know, that was the first time Harbaugh had dealt with, you know, a team that was super, super young, probably for the first time in a decade. You know, he'd been in the NFL, right. Stanford was older, Michigan was older. And I think it just, it, it hit a wall. And all the stuff that we heard when he when he was contemplating whether he was going to come here or not, you talked to everybody and they all said, anybody who played for him, and, and most of the guys would say, I love him, like it was great. My experience was great because I was on one of those teams early where we were a mess. He came in, he changed everything. And then, you know, I went on my way and moved on, but I always remember it. But he never stayed long enough to see how long that could last. And mm-hmm. that was always the question. And early on it was, is he going to stay long enough before he gets bored with this and goes back to the NFL? Well, that's become the question of, is he going to be able to sustain that early, you know, surge into something that's buildable? And the answer has been no. I mean, it hasn't been sustainable. They have not had. This is not – these last three teams, if you want to tell me that any of these last three teams – resemble anything we saw from the 16 team, I would say that you're wishing. That's not that's not real. So there is no one reason, right? Like that's the hard right. thing about this for a lot of people. And there is no one thing to put your finger on. But I think we've also come to a point entering year six where the narrative of, well, there's nobody else, man. What else are you going to do? If he can't win here at Michigan, then who right. can? I got to say, there was a time probably in those 16, 17, early parts of 18, where I'd tell you, I'd say, you know what, that's probably fair. I don't know if I would say that's fair as we sit here in 2020 with all the things that you said at the top. Like, he's not the, <laughs> he's not established as the greatest coach of all time here, okay? Like, it's not, sure. it's not untouchable. I'm not saying that, you know, it needs to happen, but I'm just saying that as we go forward here, that whole thing of, well, what else can they do? Okay, well, you're spending I, a lot of money, guys. You could do something. I, I would say there's probably a lot of coaches in college yeah. football who could go 19 and 8 in the Big Ten over so. three years yeah. at Michigan. Right. Yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> so who else so, can they get to do the same right. thing is, is one question, but who else could they get to go to do better? It's impossible to predict, but it's also you can't sit there and put yourself in this box of like, well, he's got to be the coach for the next 15 years anyway. Right. And we just have to figure it out. Like, no, he has to figure it out. And he has to yeah. do something to get it back to a situation where we're talking about, yes, he's clearly the best answer here. And maybe he is. Mm-hmm. But it's incumbent upon him as much as anybody else here to 
get back to that because this is not that. Last year's team was nine and four, and they put like what seven, eight guys in the NFL. Like, what are we yeah. doing here? Like, that's the question that we get a lot, right, Brennan? It's like, well, if not now, or if not then, or if it's not getting any closer, or not getting any better, or if it's the same thing on repeat, what are we doing? And mm-hmm. that's you know a fair and valid question as we sit in the middle of October, getting ready for this weird season, is if it's the same, what are you doing? And, you know, you know, what would you be doing? I don't know. That's, that's a good question. I, I know it's like the lowest hanging fruit, um, but to me, the thing that sticks out as like most representative of what has kind of been underwhelming about, in comparison to what expectations were of yeah. what was going to happen at, at Michigan under, under Harbaugh, like is... Is this just quarterback yeah, spot that it, it was just assumed that okay, Jim Harbaugh is now Michigan. They are going to have just one after another the best quarterback in the country, you know, recruiting wise, and they're just yeah. gonna they're just gonna start churning these dudes out. Instead, it's just been this kind of mess of missed recruits, transfers, grad transfers, like almost trying to game the system with you know getting a guy yeah. um, off the grad transfer market as opposed to like, wait, I thought you were going to recruit the best quarterback in the country every no, year and then yeah. just develop pros. Like, right. wasn't that the plan? And like, that seems like a really good basis to me for a college football program. Do that, get a really good offensive line and just go win a lot of games. Yeah, and I, it's just not happened. And I have, I can't figure out why for the yeah. least of me that that has not worked out. There are always decisions in time where when they happen, you can see both sides of them and you wonder on both sides, right? Like in the Shea Patterson thing was... Okay, and I can, I'm going to say this with full clarity because I was not part of the crowd that said Michigan's bringing in a Heisman candidate who's going to be the top three draft pick in the draft. That, yeah. that to me, blew my mind. I remember sitting at Chrysler at a basketball game in December or something like that talking to, like, Newkirk or somebody. I can't remember who it was, mm-hmm. but we were like, okay, so Shea Patterson, it was, like, the day that it became clear that it was probably going to happen, and I'm just like... You just went all the way through the 2017 season with a quarterback roulette. You screwed around with Wilton and O'Corn, and then that whole thing got off the rails. Then Brandon Peters has to go in there and play play behind a young yeah. offensive line and get KO'd to the hospital. They sent two <laughs> quarterbacks to the hospital that year. The whole thing That's was right. a jumbled mess. They'd had Dylan McCaffrey recruited and ready to come in. Peters was young, but it was like, are you going to go with him and let him develop with... Peoples Jones and Tariq Black had been mm-hmm. hurt, but you know these younger guys. And then they decided to cut bait and go with, a, albeit a talented player. I mean, Shea was a sure. talented player and had a lot of promise to his game and all this sort of thing. But it was by no means a sure thing. This was not sure. signing Justin Fields or something like that. And so at the time, everyone was convinced. Uh, when you talk to fans, not everyone, but a lot of fans were convinced at the time that the 17 season was simply John O'Corn's fault. There was no other, there was nothing mm. else at play there. He just missed too many throws. Everything's fine. Get a better quarterback in here and everything will be fine. And, you know, Shea, I thought Shea Patterson played about what I thought he would, uh, you know, last year wasn't sure. as good as I thought it would be, but 18 was almost exactly how I thought it would go. And I thought it was good. And that team did go eight and one and they in did. the big 10. And they, like and they, they, they had success. Yeah. They rebounded and played well and continued to go forward. And then he comes back, and it's just one of these things. And I don't know if if you'd stuck with Brandon Peters at the time, if things would have been any different. Maybe not. Maybe it would have been worse. I don't know. But when you're starting and stopping all the time like that, mm-hmm. you know, I can remember back to even the f- in between after Rudock had left, and he loved Rudock um, Harbaugh. That is, loved him. Like like you know, God send all this stuff. You know, they were sure. they were really in sync. They really worked well together. And then when when Jake graduated. You know, there was this question of, okay, you got to break in another one, you got to break in another one. And I remember asking him one time, like, do you like the challenge of uh, starting over with a younger quarterback and really, really getting in there and, you know, redeveloping? And he kind of laughed and was like, well, I mean, I would prefer to just have the same guy back, right? Like that. And he said that. And I was like, yeah, well, no shit. Obviously, that makes sense. Right. But then as time has gone on, you're like, would you, though? Because, like, you just keep restarting. And mm-hmm. so I always go back and forth on that because, I don't know, the 17-18 transition over to Patterson was kind of like, well, I mean, if he wants to come, I don't know if you can tell him no. But at the same right. time, you're going to cost yourself probably time and development, whatever, on these two younger guys because they're probably both going to leave, or at least one of them mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And that's proven to happen. And, you know, we'll see about Joe Milton. But, like, it's just been – that was number 
the top two things on the list when Harbaugh took the job were fix the offensive line and fix the quarterback. They fixed the offensive line, and here we are six years later. And the one thing that I think, like you said, Brennan, that we all thought they were just going to have their pick. Any any right. pro-style quarterback who was the top-ranked player at his position was going to have to sit and listen to and probably commit to Jim Harbaugh. That was the exactly. prevailing thought in football circles. I mean, I thought it wasn't yeah. even a question. And it just didn't happen. Right. And it didn't yeah. happen. And that's, you know, that's a little bit of, you know, I think the first staff that he had was finding, was trying to find its way with recruiting. There was a lot of NFL guys on that staff that weren't, you know, totally recruiting savvy yet and mm-hmm. kind of finding their way. And there were great football coaches, but, you know, he was trying to find his way back. It just didn't work out like that. And, um, you know, for a variety of reasons, you know, here they are now. It's been Rudock, Spate, O'Corn, Peters, Patterson, and Milton will be number six in six years of a guy starting a game of quarterback. And that's not a recipe for consistent success, right? I mean, it just doesn't work right. that way. Right. And now you're putting, you know, Milton, I'm sure he has an enormous upside, but yeah. you can already see it happening again is, you know, this guy who has, is being built into – Right. He's going to be this and he's going to be that and he's going to be the other thing because he's now the starting quarterback at Michigan and it just is becomes this kind of inherent um you know preseason pipe train where if the guy goes out and you know one hops his first pass against Minnesota it's just going to be like oh my god you know it's <laughs> yeah, a disaster right. all over again <laughs> yeah, you're just right. like well you guys are kind of setting yourself up for this like if yeah. it's just constantly you know whatever It's all or nothing all the time. It just feels like yeah. there's there's not a lot of backup plans <laughs> And like part of that is because they're just not, they haven't won enough. And other people, you know, would argue, well, they don't cheat. You know, you could say that or whatever if you want, Mm -hmm. if you want to go down that road. But whatever the reason you want to settle on in your mind, uh, they don't recruit at the level of the top four or five, you know, behemoths. And, you know, to be fair, LSU just had to put themselves through a bunch of sanctions yesterday and all this other stuff for, you know, booster payments and all this. And if you don't want to go down those roads, then I, you know, that's commendable on some level, on a lot of levels. But it's also the reality of the situation you're in is that you're just not going to have that kind of depth. And when we talk about like expectations and, and where everything was at the beginning, you know, I think the you said it earlier. The the fairest expectation would be that you go through a season and you play toward the top half of the Big Ten, toward the top of the division, and you give yourself a chance in that last game against Ohio State. Whether it be you're ten and one mm-hmm. or nine and two or whatever it is, but you're giving yourself right. a chance in that last game to win the Big Ten and see what happens. And they've done that twice, yeah, in five years, right. So it's not like and- they haven't done it. Because that's more—that's twice more than than uh, I believe Brady ever did, and twice more mm-hmm. than Rich Rod ever did. So fair enough. But you know, right. I think most people would have said twice out of five years. I would have probably preferred four out of five years, and maybe mm-hmm. you win at least one. And you know, you're—they're just not delivering in that moment. And when you look at how recruiting works, it's not as surprising that they're not. And they haven't had a quarterback that's been a super difference maker. And, and here you are. That's—that's that's the deal. And look, like you know. I, there's validity to the cheating thing, without a doubt. Of course, right? and, like, and, and people can sit here yeah, and talk right. about the um, the dynamics of trying to catch up with that the top tier of college football. But like, that's not the conversation yeah. anymore because no, they've fallen far. If you want to talk about it's it's really hard to be able to try to compete with um, you know Clemson or Ohio State or whatever. That's sure, that's fine. But um, do people think that like Wisconsin is running around out there with bag men all over the place and <laughs> you know wheeling and dealing, right? <laughs> right. right? Minnesota, yeah. Ohio yeah. State, Iowa, or I'm not Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, like be those are the teams that, that have. I, I I didn't mean to. That was a slip. Um, the 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 fact of the matter is yeah. that those are the places holding Michigan back right now, mm-hmm. not Alabama. Right, right. Like that doesn't mean anything. No, it's you, like the the 2018 season, right? Going going eight and one in in the conference, like that's that should be the aspirational thing, not making the playoff right now. You need to get back to this thing, right. even just being remotely close to what it's supposed to be. Um, yeah, like you said it in that 2017 pod that I went back and listened to, like. You said this this place is too invested to ever be sitting around and waiting for the next year. Mm-hmm. And three years later, it's just been that in perpetuity. Yeah. So it's not 
you know, catch, keeping up with the, uh, the Joneses when it comes to, you know, the highest level of college football. It's competing in your own conference. Right, it's giving yourself a chance, I think. Right. And it's like, yeah, like you said, I mean, they're direct competitors now in recruiting or their peers, I would mm-hmm. argue, in recruiting. They are not Ohio. It's, it's Penn State and Notre Dame. And yeah. oftentimes we see, and we've seen in recent years, that they're, lo- they're starting to lose a f- more of those battles than they were toward the beginning. They win some too. It's not bad. Sure. It's not, and that's why it's a tricky thing for a lot of people to understand. It's not a it's not a bad thing. They're not recruiting poorly at all by any stretch. I mean, they've got a nice class coming in again next year, yeah. but they're they're recruiting at a level that dictates and it, this is why it should this is why it frustrates people because Michigan should have what it needs to get this done. They're recruiting at a level that dictates so much more out of your coaching staff to to really drive those guys and maximize everything and make sure that everybody's on the same page as best as possible. Mm-hmm. And I just don't see them as a team, as a unit or whatever, fully all the way together at the same time, they just don't seem to ever have enough answers during a tight spot in a game, during a moment, you know, week to week to, you know, think about that. When's the last time, how many times really have we seen them against a truly very good team, a good, good football team that we can sit here and everybody agrees upon that that's a good team. Like Mm -hmm. not only just hang in the game and play four full quarters and say I gave you everything we had for 60 and it was all we had to give that day and how many times have we seen have we seen that and how many times have we seen them grind through some of those difficult spots you know they've done it against Northwestern they've done it against well, yeah you know, the like thing that, is even but, when even when they have had games that have like kind of maybe amounted to that yeah then the execution breaks down late in the game, and it's just like a, a mistake here, mistakes right. there. Where you know, then I hear you, and you're ranting like that just can't happen can't at it. this yeah. point, and it just continues to happen. So, I'll, let's talk a second for like for this year. Something I was thinking about earlier today is how interesting this is going to be with you know the empty stadiums and mm-hmm. all of that stuff because like for Michigan in particular here, like. With the difficulty of that schedule, yeah, you know, you can make tough. a case that if they started out, if they're hot early, like just the how much it's going to really suck to try to get momentum going. Right, if you if you beat Minnesota, mm-hmm. then you know handle Michigan State the way you're supposed to, and then pull off a what's game three? Is Wisconsin, that uh, that's Wisconsin, is four. right? No, four. Is Wisconsin's four. four. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like, say you get through that slate, like you know. You would be having it would just be electric at Michigan Stadium. It would be incredible, and now you're rolling, right? And now yeah. you can you can ride that momentum. You're feeling great and all that. And instead, it's just not gonna. You're not gonna have that. It's gonna have to be on your own merits anytime, yeah. even at home. On the flip side of that, you know, if they if they lose to Minnesota, yeah. then look like shit against Michigan State <laughs> and lose Game Three or something like that, and you're going into Wisconsin at home in a game that like you know there would just there would be some really bad sights in the stands. You yes. Know, like, yes, there would. Like we've yeah, seen this, we've seen this play out mm-hmm. when things go bad, and it's you know the blimp shots of a this yeah. ridiculously huge stadium emptying Empty. out. <laughs> you know, like I I don't know. I don't even know if I like. I'm, I'm not really making a point. I'm more just saying like this is the dynamics that are going to be at play this year. It's it's going to be impossible to kind of avoid thinking like, man, I wonder what this would be like if, you know, folks were in the seats and stuff like that. Yeah, we've had a bunch of these conversations and people have asked all offseason about um, when they were trying to decide whether or not they're going to play and all this. Mm-hmm. You know, what what does this year even mean, you know, for anybody really? But, what, you know, what are you supposed to take away from it with Harbaugh? And it's like, you know, if he doesn't go, you know, and it used to be in the old, you know, we'd hear from people that said, well, if he's not 8-1 and one and beating Ohio State or 10 and, or 11-1 and winning that game at the end, then I don't want to hear about it or whatever and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and that's not necessarily the case in this one because, like, obviously challenges are happening all over the place. We don't know, right. you know, day to day who's going to be available due to COVID and everything mm-hmm. else. So, I mean, everyone's trying to have to feather, you know, kind of thread the needle here. So it's going to be a challenge. I think you have to take that into account. But man, like I was talking to Andy Staples yesterday, I think it was for his show, and um, and Andy brought up and he said it. He was like, "I feel like you're like this the first- podcast whore of podcast whores, by the way, all over the place." Yeah, <laughs> and he said, "I feel like this first game against Minnesota," and he's right. Was he's like is going to be reacted to 
volcanic, you know, like a volcanic reaction, no matter what. No doubt. No matter what. No doubt. Like if you, yeah. if you win the game and we know Minnesota's good. So if you win the game and Milton looks solid, okay, batten down the hatches because the trains are coming and we're all aboard and everything's going to go, you know, and people mm-hmm. just lose it in that sense. If you lose the game and whatever, doesn't matter how Milton looks, if you lose the game, <laughs> then people Correct. are going the other way and it's going to be, and, we haven't had too many of those, I would say, in the Harbaugh era toward the beginning of seasons. Like, I go back and look at when they opened up hmm. against Notre Dame in 2018. It was like, well, they've told us all year they are ready to play, so we would expect them to be ready to play. And then they come out and they're down 21-0 in like 20 minutes. And you're like, right. okay. And people got upset, but they right. weren't and really upset. And some of it I think they bounced back because they, they won 10, 10 games in a row after that, but it wasn't like manic or just like what are we even doing i mm-hmm. think you're gonna hear more of the what are you even doing here if you start out slow in this season all things aside right because it's just how many more times do we do people i mean i feel the like there was movie, some you know? of that in 2019 yeah, after but army they, took them to yeah. overtime and people were like well that right. was just avoiding an absolute pie in the face right. like does anyone feel good about themselves and then they lost the next week and it was like okay same old same old <laughs> i right? think there's always yeah that's probably fair the wisconsin <laughs> game was probably that one but i right. think there's always for the for even like the diehard michigan supporter who just will mm-hmm. never not be you know full on all the way for the team no matter what i'm not going to sure. listen to anything otherwise there's only so many times, because there's always going to be something you can point to and say, well, you know, I mean, give them a break. They got a new this. They got a new, last year they had a new offensive coordinator. The year before that it was a new quarterback. New quarterback again this year. But there's only so many times that you can tell that to yourself before you start looking all the way toward the top of the ladder and saying, like, the guy who runs the program who never talks to anyone throughout the rest of the year. <laughs> The guy who runs the program is the guy in charge of this. Like, and I'm glad you brought up that Wisconsin one last year because I said this to Austin earlier in the week. No matter what happens in the first three games, when mm-hmm. they get to the end of week four against Wisconsin on whatever date yeah. that was, after last year when Wisconsin shoved them into a locker, locked the door, yes. and stole their car, and then crashed yes. it, and then ran away, <laughs> and they don't... And they don't respond or turn that around or come out of that looking any different, then you know everything you need to know about where this place is going. And that exactly. is going to be a very uncomfortable thing for a lot of people uh, at Michigan deeper into you know administrative levels than anybody's going to want to admit here because at some point, if you're still just being the same old, same old, and you start talking about graduation rates... And things like that, as a reason right. why you should be still here, your 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 case just weakens. We heard Brady do the same thing. I mean, hope. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was obviously in a much more condensed manner, but it went from we're competing on a national stage to well, we're young, so we'll figure it out. To well, all of our players graduate, so why don't you guys just back yeah. the hell off? You know, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so and you're like, yeah, I know, like I get it, that's fine, but you know, people. Don't need to hear that anymore. They don't want to hear it. I mean, it's like it's, at some point something's got to change. At some point, you have to do something that surprises someone. Like, well, here's the thing: it. you you don't need to pay your coach eight million dollars a year to have a coach who can graduate all of his players. No. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you really don't. No, it's not that difficult. So I mean, that's fair. But that's the ultimate. I think that you know. I, I don't know. I mean, that the money part of it is what always goes back to me on the. Well, if he can't win here, then who can? And it's like, well, if you're going to pay this guy seven and a half or whatever, he's still today the number three or four paid, right. you know, highest compensated coach in the country. The market has kept up and he's been toward the top of it the whole time. So you've committed yourself to paying top end money and, you know, the results. And we've been over this a million times. From, and everyone can always find answers. Sure. Know, the season ticket boom happened after he got hired. Huge money came in for that. They had huge sure. money that came in for all the support and all the electricity that he recreated, the Nike stuff that mm-hmm. we watched and everything else. There's been countless examples of money pumping in and going up, but no examples of him winning a championship or beating right. someone at a level that everyone could look around and say, we just beat 
one of the best teams in the country, which makes us now, today, one of mm-hmm. the best teams in the country. That moment hasn't happened, and ultimately that's what you're paying for, and, you know, where is and it? Like, and the fact of the matter is, too, as the years go by, that argument just gets so deflated when you lose games to certain coaches. Because yeah. if you lose to James Franklin, it's like, well, don't, don't tell me that no one else can do it at sure. Michigan if your guy just lost to James Franklin, right? But the question they don't. always would, would respond to you would be is, well, is James Franklin better than Harbaugh? Because he's also beaten James Franklin. Right. But then you're like, well, we're splitting hairs now on something that you this this guy was determined to be best top dollar, best coach money can buy. And at the time, that exactly. was certainly the case. You know, it's not appearing to be possibly that case every day as we go forward here. Mm-hmm. He's going to have to do something to change that. Right. And like... Like this is one of the reasons that I find the Minnesota game to be like beyond fascinating because it's Jim Harbaugh, PJ Fleck on basically a neutral field, right? Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. It's a road game, right? right? But this is going to be two teams who have had months of preparation in basically isolation. Yep. Who let's stack up the execution. Who's more ready to play in this game? Because look, I, I, I mean, I know I look at everything through the sphere of basketball, mm-hmm. right? And through or pull everything kind of through the keyhole of of hoops and kind of how I interpret things in on on a, on a basketball court. But like when you see two teams line up that are pretty evenly matched, yeah. It's going to be okay, well who's been coached up better in right. in preparation for this game? Because if there's a huge gap in execution, then it's like, well, where does that really fall? Right. You know, and you can't chalk it up to, oh my god, crowd noise. And blah blah blah, and you're on the road on a Saturday night, and da 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 like that. Sorry, man, it doesn't right. fly in an empty stadium. It's just going to be execution versus execution, as far as I can tell. Yeah, and you can't. I don't think necessarily fall all the way back on. Well, we had COVID to deal with when the other team also had COVID to deal with, and you told mm-hmm. us all summer, all summer that yeah. Michigan's protocols were better than anybody else's. That mm-hmm. the testing and they had been. I mean, the numbers have been low. That they've gotten great buy-in for everyone, that everyone's everything's been exactly how they want it to be. At one point in, I want to say, June, July or August, uh, like a march, or, that march for football that Harbaugh went to, um, right. Austin was there and some other beat writers went, he said something like, give us two weeks and we'll be ready to play. Right. Okay, like I'm, I'm not going to sit here and hold him to say that give us two weeks and we'll be ready to play means that give us two weeks and we'll be ready to play and we'll look like, you know, we're going to paint a Picasso for you. I'm not right. going to say that's going to happen, but like, I yes, I would expect them to be efficient, more efficient than they were at the you know all things considered. When you when you look at the coaches they have on staff, I think they have good football teachers on their staff. I would expect them to be as efficient as you could possibly ask a team to be given this situation and scenario. They did not mm-hmm. lose anybody on their offensive staff going forward. They have had players to replace and all this sort of stuff. But it's year two of Gaddis, you know. Everyone, you know, Warner's been here now for three or four years. He's been done a nice job with the offensive line. All these guys are back. I don't know. I mean, like, I would at least expect your efficiency to be at a point where you're not handing the other team a game. And that is everyone's biggest concern and worry and fear all the time. Because when they do fall flat and when they do lose, it's often because it's like, are you guys even awake? Like, did you get Mm -hmm. off the bus? Like, what's happening Mm -hmm. here? Like, the Wisconsin game, you know, the Notre Dame game. The Penn State game last year, down 21 nothing, and then having to fight, you know, like that kind of stuff. What are you doing? Like the crowd, yeah. like you said, no crowd, no night road environment anymore. None of this. Like I would expect them to be, you know, as efficient as you could possibly ask a team to be given this situation, mm-hmm. which I don't know what that looks like. Um, but not making the same mistake three times, you know, in a right. row, right? Like figuring out a way to be a little more mentally tough and all that sort of thing. And that's Jim Harbaugh football at the end of the day. That's why he, you know, got to where he got. You know, he developed these teams that just had this punishing ability to just repetitively hammer people. You know, with mm-hmm. just, it, it, it could be exotic at times if they wanted it to be, but the basic stuff, they just always did it so well. And they found a way, and even if they didn't, they were playing so hard and so physical right. that it would make up for it. And, um, you know, it just hasn't been there the last, last couple yeah, of years. Yeah, they, I mean, they really have to get back to that. And, like, one thing that uh, yeah, I'll give guys credit for over there is, at least I haven't seen it. Now I'm not around it nearly as much as I was back in the day when we were working together. Um, mm-hmm. 
and doing football. But like one thing I haven't really seen is something that I found as an outsider to be like pretty distressful when looking at the end of the Hoke era, and it was what how players presented. <coughs> sorry, how how players presented themselves mm-hmm. on a weekly basis when it would just be this like. Yeah, this fallback to this kind of like birthright of like we're going to be good and it's going to work out because this is Michigan and I'm like and I'm like that doesn't work. You can't just say it and make it be like you guys. You say all this stuff. These you say the right thing every week and then you go and you just lose on Sunday Mm -hmm. and you look like a very below average to mediocre Big Ten team because that's what you are. You're not Michigan just because you wear that helmet. You are what you are on the field. And I haven't seen that from this group, and I think that is a product of, there is still a pretty decent culture in the program and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I think it's better than it was for sure. I mean, I found, and that's why this is so tricky. I mean, the stat that jumped out to me in something that I think I, I probably wrote it in 15, right after he got hired, was from, you know, Michigan had won 46 games since the retirement of Lloyd Carr uh, after Brady had gotten fired. So from 2008 to 2014, they'd won 46 games. That was seven years, six, seven years, mm-hmm. something like that. Through five years here, they've won 47. So, like, I mean, sure. it's better. It's better in so many ways it's better. But, and I would even say that if you're good enough to be going to have a season like that 2018 year, if you're mm-hmm. doing that every year, I think most people would be like, I don't care what. These national writers bitch and whine about or say that yeah. Harbaugh's making a lot of money. He really needs to win a couple more of these. You know, mm-hmm. check back mm-hmm. after the break on this hot take station. <laughs> like, no one would care. They would be like, I don't right. care what you like. Paul Feinbaum's expectations for Michigan football are mm-hmm. fucking as irrelevant as like right. whatever. Right? It doesn't matter. It's, right. it's it's just trolling. If they were doing that every year and coming up short against Ohio State, I think the majority of people would be like. Well, one of these years we'll maybe accidentally win that one, and then it'll. And be that's fine. the thing. Yeah. And if you're in, if you're in that position every single year, eventually it'll happen. Like right. something will happen, right? It's it's the theory of you know again on college basketball. If you go to the NCAA tournament every single year, yeah, eventually you're gonna get, to a final you're gonna get a good draw. You're gonna make a crazy shot. Like you're just go. It's going yeah. to happen. You're going to advance to the elite eight or whatever it may be. Like if you're just in position going into the last week every single year, right. It might only happen once every three or four years, but eventually you'll win the game. People will lose their freaking minds. You get to go to the playoff, whatever. It's all worth it. You are worth your salary in whatever that's really Yeah, then you're a made man for quite a while. And that's it. You know, and I I don't feel like people are expecting them to go 13-0 every year. That's not it. So... But it's not... Yeah, why there's this gap is still just crazy to me. Right, you can't have... (laughs) That one year in 18 bookended by, you know, a struggle-filled 17 and then another struggle, disjointed, underwhelming, you know, 2019, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, maybe they'll, this year's obviously whatever, but I don't know. I mean, like, that's got to be the baseline, the lowest expectation that I think people would have at this point for a hardball program would be, that you know, they're competing and they're in the Big Ten East slash Big Ten whatever championship race in a normal year as we get closer to Thanksgiving. And that hasn't happened apart from two seasons, two and a half seasons, I guess 15, they were kind of like back in their way in. And, you know, there's always, you can always do creative math if you want, if like chaos happens mm-hmm. or whatever. But like, you know the situation. Ohio State's got more talent than everybody else in the league by a dozen fold. That's going to be mm-hmm. your thing at the end that you have to deal with. And any visions that Michigan was going to be the same thing as Ohio State, Urban Myers, Ohio State, those are gone. So anybody who had those expectations, those are gone. I don't know if those were ever fair to begin with. And those are the expectations mm-hmm. that, you know, a fine bomb or some of these people are working off of, which are like ludicrous and absurd. <laughs> but also mm-hmm. at the same time, they would say, if you're paying that much money, maybe that should be your expectation. I don't know if that's all true. I mean, I could buy, you know, as long as you're in the hunt every single year, people I think would be okay with that for quite a while. Maybe they would sure. eventually get sick of it. You know, maybe like... Uh, like a Mark Richt thing at Georgia where you just get tired right. of being, you know, close every year, but at least you're not terrible. Um, maybe that's what that would be, but it's not that either. They're sliding, you know, they were not better than Penn State or Wisconsin last year or Ohio State mm-hmm. or probably Minnesota. Mm-hmm. In year five 
of the Jim Harbaugh era, they were not better than Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, or maybe Minnesota. What? Like, yeah. that's the stuff that's, like, hard to square. And, like, there's so many things and there are so many people who will do it for them. You can find a thousand reasons why something doesn't happen. Like we said, there's a lot of people out there that do a lot of that work for Jim Harbaugh that he doesn't have to do it for himself. They do it for him. Right. Well, this right. is why this happened. And if you really read the message boards, you'd know why that happened. And this is blah, 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 blah. Those are running out. Like, those are... That pot is really, you're scraping the bottom now. Like, those are yeah, about yeah. gone. And that's why this is feeling weirder and weirder for a lot of people. Because they ask you, like, rational people will ask you, like, what what, what are we doing? Like, what? Mm-hmm. Like I, I have fun watching them still. Like, I'm not, you know, a lot of them will say that to you. Like, Mich- casual Michigan fan. Like, I enjoy it. I enjoy watching them. I enjoy getting yep. excited for it. But, like, I'm not really all the way invested. Because I know, I think, at the end of the day, what's going to happen. And I've seen the same movie over and over again. And, like... It's getting a little old, you know, and that's. Uh, there, I think there's a lot yeah. of that out there. Like my, like I just look at like kind of like my like my golf buddies, right? Mm-hmm. I have a bunch yeah, right. of dudes who I play with down here, and they're they all like fit into that kind of that yeah. that pod of like, yeah, you know, if it were a regular season, I'd probably try to get to a game or two, sure. and I'll you know watch them on TV. But it's just, you know, it's really hard to kind of just do the full buy-in anymore when it's just every year. You just kind of come out feeling yeah. like you got you got scammed a little bit. You yeah, know like I mean? you got scammed, like you got snowed, <laughs> like they told you a bunch of stuff that was going to happen and it didn't happen. That right. is like the best way to describe, I think, what this has been like for a lot of people with mm-hmm. rare exceptions. We were told by them and by the mm-hmm. people that carry their water that this right. was going to happen and it never happens. Like it never ends the way it's supposed to end. Mm-hmm. And, like, how many more times, you know, can you go through that before right. people are just, like, they tune it out? And just no one would suggest that they're in, it's Michigan's bulletproof from having people tune out. You know, sure. I don't care if you are going 9-3 and three every year. If, you know, people might get bored with it. And maybe when yeah. we do have fans back, it won't be as high as it was. I don't know. But that's a real thing to d- debate. It's a difficult conversation to have, I think, because... You know, he's been one of their most successful coaches, probably, I would think. I don't know what the, the stats are now, but he was pretty comparable to Lloyd Carr through yep. like five or six years, or four years anyway, four or five, uh, without the national title, of course, but like it wasn't that far off. And so, mm-hmm. you know, but, you know, people keep getting, I think the further away we get from the fanfare that was tied to his hire, the the more time it is to sort of get away from that and just be like, right. whatever, that's over with. It, it, you know, yeah, no, it did not live up to the crazy fanfare that we all thought maybe was going to happen on December 30th, 2014. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, but what now? But what happens now? And and that's the question that everyone's sort of wrestling with and, and, and kind of gets fixated on. And it's become, you know, less a question of, is he going to get bored by winning a bunch at Michigan and go back to the NFL? And it's gone to, is everyone going to get bored with this and just agree mutually, <laughs> just go their separate ways in some right. you know, case down the road? And the answer remains, I, you know, I don't know. Do you, do you think this year is basically going to be a wash for most Probably, yeah. coaches, I, you know, like yeah, I, I just, I, well, I don't know. I'm really interested in that one. That's a great question because like when the NFL season started, um, when we were going to practice in like August and everybody was feeling good and nervous, you know, probably, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. people were really looking at everything. Like everyone's here and doing their best and trying to fight through the elements and let's just be happy. Yeah, Everyone was understandable. It felt like right. fans even. And then you got to that first lions game and Chris and I were there and I'm like, Let's see how long that feeling lasts. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the record will show that it made it to about the fourth quarter before everyone mm-hmm. was like, well, I'm sick of this shit. And they turned, you know, like enough of that. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I mean, I think that, like, I picked them to go five and three. If Michigan goes five and three, like, you know, I think most people would be like, well, you know, that's about what we thought. We'll see what happens. Maybe right. next year will be a real year. We'll see what happens. If they were a disaster or something, you know, maybe that would be a different conversation. But I think for the most part, it's going to have to be a survival deal and, just see see how you can get through it. That's why I mean I wrote at the end of the day like just get back to being what we know and can easily point to as a mentally tough football team that we can easily say you know no right. one's gonna out you know no one's gonna outsmart you no one's gonna out hit you and no one's gonna outwork you and whatever happens at the end is gonna happen but like those three things if those three things hold true all Michigan fans for the most part that are diehards will be all aboard everything you're trying to do if you have the yeah. effort intelligence and physicality at the level that they want it to be, they'll probably live with the outcome, no matter what it is. Because I'm just uh, very curious to see if it's 4-4 four and four 
or five and three, yep. and you get to next off season, he'll have one year left on the contract. That's been talked oh, about ad nauseum. But <laughs> right. you know, I get that. But there is the dynamic of if it's kind of a eh, yeah year, okay. and you, okay, he's not going to go into the final year. Like decision time comes, I think after. <sighs> got to after this I, I, would I mean you can't just actually go to when a contract expires that just doesn't no. I, I mean shit they've he's the strangest gone. coach in the world they've so already, maybe but they've maybe already yeah they've already gone farther than anybody ever goes like they're right. already right. two years out no one's ever gone right. this. no one ever does this no one's ever no one ever really goes this far so maybe they could so I'm not as much interested in like whether he gets a you know extension after in next offseason I'm more curious about like what does it look like yeah. You know, with the trajectory of the program, are you going to go seven years? Right. Like, how much money is guaranteed? Like, this is going to be yep. Ward Manual in a rock hard place. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you make this contract look that is um, fair that looks to like the you're program. Not getting, yeah, that right, is yeah. not just like, okay. Because all of us will be sitting here being like, if that guy's name wasn't Jim Harbaugh, mm-hmm. there is no way right. that this contract would ever, you're going to give this well, guy you know, another six years, $45 million, <laughs> whatever it is. Like, it would just be insane. Let me ask you this. So, if that I don't know what you do. If that guy's name wasn't Jim Harbaugh, would would he... Would, would have he, already been fired. Would he still be here? Yeah, that's my... Yes, I mean, like, of course. If Brady Hoke had been 45 and whatever, seven with... A fifty something or six and giving up sixty two to Ohio State and then fifty. Take out Brady Hook. Take out Brady Hook. If if Harbaugh had let's say that he went to the Bears that mm-hmm. year instead of going to Michigan and Michigan ended up hiring Les Miles. Yep. And Les Miles went zero and five against Ohio State. Yeah, you're he's out gone. Of here. Yeah, right. there's no <laughs> chance. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's it's a fascinating thing for everybody, but it was always going to be that way. Like the, the minute this started. Even today, every time I have to go back and look at like the stuff that we did in 2014, going into 15, mm-hmm. the program, and it always gets lost through the years. They were at such a crossroads <laughs> and like an impossible spot on Halloween of 2014. Yeah. They fired Dave Brandon. Hoke was done, mm-hmm. and it was like. Are they going to be able to get like a good assistant to take this job? <laughs> like, there's no AD. No one knows what's happening. This whole thing, the Harbaugh thing at that time on Halloween felt like a million to one shot that they were right. going to be able to do that. And and that's external. Like if you talk to people that know Harbaugh now, they would tell you that it wasn't a million to one on October mm-hmm. 30th of 2014. Mm-hmm. That he always had an affinity to come back here and do this and that this it was something that he always wanted to do. But at the time it felt like this is going to be impossible. What are they going to do? Right. And then suddenly, bang, like out of nowhere, it just flipped. Right. And they never really, no one ever stopped to breathe and figure out how that all happened. It was just like, oh, well, let's figure it out. On we go to the national titles that we've never actually had, you know? <laughs> right. So, like, right. it's a crazy scenario. It's a crazy thing. I think people have had lessons and expectations over the years. I think a lot of Michigan fans who've, who've sort of rode the lightning rod have come back to the middle and have started mm-hmm. to understand, like, all the nonsense that I hear about, you know, every single player on this team is going to be an All-American. <laughs> that stuff maybe right. isn't real. Uh, but, you know, I, I think that there are days that, that Harbaugh's had where he's made Michigan fans super proud to be Michigan fans. There are days, sure. like, I look back to the 2018 against Michigan State when they just went in there and physically ended the Mark D'Antonio thing. And last right. year, obviously, they blew him out, but, like, the 18 game was the one, yes. if you remember, where yes. they, you can't lose that game and you have to go in there and show them who you are and who they, who mm-hmm. you think they are. That was a day that I remember thinking, like, I thought we were going to have a lot of these days. And that was one mm-hmm. where I thought, Maybe we'll have more of them from Michigan fans as they go forward. Maybe that'll continue. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michigan State obviously was a separate entity altogether, and you had that again the next year, but it never took another leap above that. It was... Right. They took care of all the business that was... The stuff that got Brady Hoke fired, losing to Michigan State, losing mm-hmm. to Maryland, losing to Rutgers. They took care of all that junk, but it hasn't, you know, risen above that, and... I just, I don't know. I don't know what the magic recipe or or whatever is, but I also know that we're at a point now where just folding your arms and sitting down and saying like, well, we can't do any better. So like, whatever, like that's not real either. Like that can't be something that we continue to talk about. This guy's getting paid too much money to do, to just say that no one would ever do better. I mean, that's, 
you can you can create narratives to support anything you want in 2020, as we've seen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that one has to probably start to fail. No, and Harbaugh would tell you probably in an honest moment, no problem. Of course, I'm not the only coach in the history of the world that could win here. For sure, for sure, it's not real. So, you know, I think that that's something that people need to remember uh, as as things go forward too. That it's not a well. What else are they going to do if they can't win here? No one can. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, if if he can't win here at like multiple national titles in a seven year span, then no one can. Well, fair enough. Okay, maybe no one can do that without cheating, but. but I think you can be better than, than what they are right now. And I think that's the ultimate takeaway. Yeah, I would just be like, uh, to anyone that says that, could you imagine yourself saying those words when, you know, Harbaugh and Hackett landed at Detroit Metro no. that that Monday night yeah. and he's wearing the Michigan hat. There's what, there was like a six or seven car caravan. You know, there's media. It was just outrageous. And it's just... You know, it like, was outrageous. I, I understand yeah, that's, that's uh, like yeah. part of the part of the um, level of expectations for what the program could be were totally distorted. They were probably yeah. right, yeah. but um, I've never felt like this sh- should be a place where com- the word like something like complacency should ever be remotely should in be. view. It's yeah. just not one of those places. You know, as no. someone who's been other spots, like you know, I've 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 been at Tennessee when it was like rock bottom, and it's even being there, I'm I was still just kind of like, hey guys, I I hate to say this out loud, but you're Tennessee, and no one gives a shit. You know what I mean? There are there are yeah, Tennessee's the great five example. five to eight places where you're just like, there's a there's an unacceptable level. And it's yep. and that is reality, right? Like it's not just a delusional fan base. There mm-hmm. are, you know, it's it's Texas, it's Michigan, it's yep. Notre Dame, it's Alabama, right? Yeah. And like Michigan is in is still in that club, but hanging on, and but that's the problem. Barely hanging yep. on, yeah. So like, yep. but if a fan base gets complacent to the to a point of being like, <laughs> what are we well, doing? this yeah. is it. This is just all we can do. Then I'm like, well, now you're out of the club. <laughs> yeah, you're out, and like that's that's been their thing, and that's why you always caution against those like reactionary hirings and firings because you don't want to set sure. yourself back further, uh, and you want to always make sure that you have a plan as you go forward, which would be like, you know, that's why it's so difficult now in today's world. I mean, hiring a coach is so hard, um, you know, with all the information that you do get, some of it's real, some of it's nonsense, and who do you, who do you believe, who do you not believe? When you're trying to recruit a coach, and it's all, it's always a roll of the dice, and firing or moving on or mutually agreeing to depart. We we did this with Beeline, right? Like mm. moving on from a coach who's had like a really good. Obviously, Beeline had more success at that point when we were when people were asking us about should should they move on from him in like 2015 right. or whatever year that was. And I remember we said you know you'd get laughed out of the building if you did that. But like moving on from a successful ish coach is hard to do. Like. Yeah. Look at Nebraska. Like they fired Bo Pelini because they they were like we don't want to be Iowa. Now they're like eighty times worse than I. Like they're like far south of that. So do you want to keep doing that or do you want to go for? It's a really difficult thing to balance. Um, and ultimately, you know, the only people that have the answers to that would be Ward and uh, and Harbaugh. And, and Harbaugh's answer would be, how long do you want to do this? And I think that that's maybe something that whenever they get down to, do we go back to the table and, and get a new contract or whatever? When you finally right. put him in a you know headlock and say you have to sit down and listen to this contract conversation here, um, maybe that's a question that has to come up too. I don't know, but um, it's interesting, right. man. Like Harbaugh's super unique, and Ward Manuel is super unique. They're not like sure. regular whatever athletic directors, like they're or athletic director coach. It's just not. It's just two different people who do different things, and it's difficult to sort of guess where they're going to go, but it's probably not going to be a rational, irrational decision, whatever it ends up being. And sometimes that's hard for people to swallow, but, you know, I mean, all you want to do right now is see, you know, sort of mental improvement, more consistency, get get yourself back to sort of grinding like that and do something, Do just do something to give people a reason to, you know, brag about anything other than, you know, we beat a falling apart Mark D'Antonio team by 50. I mean, okay, that mm-hmm. it was that was fun, I'm sure, for you, but, like, that's not really anything you're going to be bragging to your Ohio yeah. State friends about or whatever it ends up being. I just, 
I think that's the long and short of it. I think most people are they're here for it. They want it to work still. I think most people still want it to work. Um, but I think a lot of those people in that category would also probably tell you the next breath, like they've moved on from the, there's no one else that could ever do this thing. And if you're right. telling yourself that today, I, I mean, you're, then what's the point? <laughs> you know, like, I mean, what's the point? And that's the ultimate right. thing. Well, I'm sure we really inspired a lot of fans. I to, just don't know, man. I mean, it's like subscribe to the athletic. It's very, uh, <laughs> it's a very fascinating puzzle piece thing that goes together because, you know, in some cases they look like they're so close and then it's, and then the next week they would look like they're a mile away mm. and you're just mm-hmm. it always alternates back and forth and it, sometimes it even happens mid game where right. you know like going down 21 nothing against like Penn State and then coming back and almost winning but then you have a drop at the last second i mean it's like that sort of stuff and i don't know i don't know what the answer is uh, other than after a while the sample size becomes so large that you can't ignore it and you say and you keep saying i don't know what the answer is and you say well the answer is duck a head coach because right. you know, then and if it's working, it's working. If it's not, it's not. And you know what you know what you have. I think we're getting down to it, though. I think we're getting down to time where like there's not a lot of mystery anymore about mm-hmm. where this is going and um, where where it's going to be going. As you know, as we look at things now, as it goes forward, whatever sort of happens. I mean, you can bounce back, rubber band back and forth all you want, but that's what you are. You're just about. You're just a. You're one day you're there, the next day you're not. When blah blah blah. And do you really want to do that? I don't know. Maybe that's right. and maybe that's what they are. Maybe they're a. Back and forth. And, team. And I, I will say it takes, you know, especially like the way that they're recruiting, um, you know, they need to find some, like just some of those players who have it, whatever yeah, that I is, know. you know, like, and maybe like, maybe Joe Milton's one of those guys, right? That he's yeah. just going to step on the field Saturday night and just be absolutely electric. And you're yeah. going to say like, well, this is what's been missing, right? Because they haven't had, right? right? Peppers had some of that. Yeah. I know they've had some defensive guys who kind of were just who were playmakers and could could change games, but like especially on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, no, they, it just yeah. feels like they have just lacked just like a fucking stud, right? Yeah. Who just gets shit done. Yeah, an like eraser. They haven't it's had the, that, right? Right. The guy. Like, who where just, is that? I mean, that's the that's the hardest thing to sign. That's the hardest mm-hmm. thing to bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, the hardest things to bring in are those big you know, athletic linemen and then the guys on offense that can just beast people. And that right. can just be your answer. Like Alabama, I mean, obviously Alabama is the great example, Clemson, all these guys. But, like, you watch Alabama play in these – I've watched them a couple times now because I've had time on these Saturday nights. And, you know, Alabama's got this amazing offensive line and everything's awesome and they got all these great players. But, like, even Alabama will get into situations where they're backed up, something's going wrong, and then they'll just throw it – you know, throw Waddle, Jalen Waddle, who runs like a four-one-two or something on like a <laughs> switch route, and no one in the state or county or nethering region can even run within a mile of this guy. So like, he's yeah. just the ultimate. Like, well, you know, this isn't working like we wanted to. That's not working. We'll just cheat code this and get the hell out of here. Like, they don't. Yeah. They haven't had that in a long time. Denard Robinson mm-hmm. was probably the last thing they had. Last guy they had that was even close to that, and Denard had it sometimes, and sometimes he didn't. But you're right. I mean, it's you got to have somebody that can keep you in the fight uh, when you don't have your best day because they just haven't had that sort of connectivity to get all the way through it. They right. haven't had guys that can make plays when it's really hard and you really have to make it. Uh, it just hasn't been enough of that. Yeah. So I'll be super curious to yeah, it's a fascinating year. Watch really. watch Milton. Yeah, uh, I, I I don't know on I, Saturday, I and it's like you feel bad that you're just like sticking it all. This dude is about to start his first game or whatever, but it's just like well, I, I do. I will say this for you: it's, it's shiny and new, it you is. know, and like that's been yeah. And I will say, <laughs> I know it's just the same thing over and over again. But like from what like the times that you would see Milton get out there, like his arm strength and stuff like crazy. that, you're just like oh, like that. This could be a this could be yeah. a dude. You know what I mean? So I, I think everybody, and I'll say this before we, we wrap up, like, mm-hmm. and I, I mentioned Denard. Denard was also one of those guys that had this ability, you know, and if, if you covered him, you knew this because you could tell by everybody how they talked about him. Everyone loved him, right? Right. And I mean everybody. There was not anybody in that program that you were going to find on or off the record that thought mm-hmm. Denard was an asshole or didn't, you know, didn't give everything he had. or They sure. loved him. They were like, this is the greatest guy. Every time he scores, <laughs> we're all just like, he was that guy. They, you know, and mm-hmm. Milton... And not that some of the other guys haven't had some of that. Like, Rudock was a transfer who had earned his way in, and everybody eventually ended up loving Jake. 
Patterson was a guy who had to earn his way, and I think everybody, you know, I don't know, maybe it was split a little bit more, but I think most people respected his work ethic and all these things. But they had to sort of earn their way into a locker room that was already established, whereas like a guy like Denard shows up on day one and he's part of the team and he comes up and that's Milton. He, he came in as a freshman, enrolled early, uh, got along with a lot of people right away, is a pretty easygoing dude who is going to do everything that's asked of him mm-hmm. uh, and show up. And he has some of that sort of like magnetism, right, that you want your best player or your quarterback or whatever to have. And I keep saying the whole phrase of like, he's not going to have to win the huddle over, although they don't huddle anymore, but he's not going mm-hmm. to have to rally anyone to say, I need you here on this one. Can you, can you back me up? I, they're all from what I can gather here firmly behind in more so than any point. I sure. can think back to probably Denard. They're firmly behind him. There's no, there's no questions on this one. Uh, so there's questions about whether or not he can execute, but in terms of, are you going to get all 10 around him to play for him? He's not going to have any problem with that. So I think that's a big part mm-hmm. of the battle here. And, and, you know, I think that gives him a little bit of an edge and, um, you know, he's a guy that from every time we've talked to Joe Milton, it's a guy that I would say that you, it seems like a guy that you want, you, everybody wants to root for that. He's a nice guy. He's a nice kid. He works hard. He does what he's asked. He's not over the top. He's not like arrogant. The first time we talked to him, we were all like, I think it was in Paris and we were all blown away. He was so smooth mm. and nice dude, all this stuff. And, um, you know, if you're Michigan fans, you're sitting there wondering, like, when are we going to get one of those guys that actually ends up going on the field and like really, really killing it for us? Maybe this is it. I don't know, but yeah, um, it would all, it would help a lot. It would help a lot of folks uh, everywhere out. I think if if that works out, for sure. All right. Well, we're going to wrap it on that. Um, Nick, uh, have you, when let me ask you. So, when you're wrapping up these shows with your new cohorts, <laughs> are you guys still? Oh, we should um, probably do that on this one, yeah. You, you got to make sure that uh, everyone's still giving their restaurant recommendations. I'm going to tell Colton and, and Austin whatnot. when they come on that they're going to have to uh, do that or you're going to get that's on That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, do you so, have any today that you want to recommend? Ooh, let's see. A good recommendation for a place. Um, uh, let's see. Well, I'm now out in the, the Canton area of yeah. the world and uh, uh, been been checking out downtown Plymouth a little bit getting to know that that part of the world there's all kinds of neat little go. places in there I don't know I recently went to the sardine room have you ever been there I think I've heard of it actually but I've never been really there. I think I have really really sweet really yeah. uh not only that but it's a very affordable place mm-hmm. it's a good good eats at good prices and uh, the staff was super cool so uh yeah big big shout out to the sardine room folks get out there and get yourself a cocktail get yourself some food uh, or get it to go, but uh, check that out. And if anyone has any uh, recommendations for out here, you let us know. Yeah, there you go. Um, Shout out to your, Ann Arbor. your Canton fans. Yeah. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> We're just expanding our reach, man. That's all. Yeah. Um, so, but either way, make sure you are supporting your bartenders and servers and taking care of those people that take care of you. And uh, until next week, uh, thanks for reading. Thanks for supporting the athletic. And uh, enjoy your football season, folks. I seen hard times all my day. I 